Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Yeah, thanks so much for joining in, guys. Men's mental health matters. It sure does. Uh, we're not meant to be struggling. We're meant to be here to thrive. And... Uh, I've got a guy on today with me uh, that is thriving, um, and he's probably been through his ups and downs like us all, but uh, Cram from Spiderbait uh, has been producing some amazing music uh, for the last couple of decades, and um, you know, I love, I love their energy, their vibration, what they do, you know, they're country people from Finlay in uh, New South Wales and Victoria, a little, uh, oh, sorry, New South Wales, Victorian border, and um, yeah, just uh, grew up there and sort of... I loved what they did by playing music and got together and uh, the rest is history. So we're going to have a talk about, uh, you know, that journey today with Cram, um, his, uh, I suppose, uh, challenges he's sort of faced uh, being a, a professional musician, you know, not knowing where the dollars are coming from and all those sorts of things, but um, you know, how he sort of managed himself through the journey as well. Um, you know, really, really grateful to have people uh, like Cram to come along and offer their time to talk about uh you know, uh, their, their lives and their experiences on this podcast and, um, yeah, very, uh, very blessed to have, you know, um, you know, quality people like Cram along, but, um, you know, certainly, um, uh, you know, having stories of, of people and what they've been through can really be helpful to others and that's what it's all about, you know, we, we're not meant to be here to struggle, as I said, we're meant to, here to thrive, be here to thrive and we're, uh, we've got to try and support each other as much, as much as we possibly can, so... Uh, Cram's made a career out of what he loves and I'm sure everyone that's, that's listening can do that as well if we choose to, you know, we've just got to find what it is that we really enjoy and focus our attention around that and uh, the rest can really take care of itself, I, I truly believe that, so appreciate your feedback on this one, um, just want to make special mention, if you have got a problem in your life where you've got a, a habit you're trying to change, I recommend Mick Stooth, um, he's got an organisation called The Real Shift, now they help people uh, transition uh, through change basically um, over a normal period they've got a program coming up in October uh, I really recommend it so if you want to jump onto their website and check it out it's therealshift.com if you go to therealshift.com forward slash, uh, forward slash deep dive you'll uh, see the program and uh, if you mention the Outback Mind podcast you'll get a 10% discount it's pretty cheap as it is so um, yeah I, I know the importance of actually um, you know, investing in yourself uh, if you're struggling with something or you really want to make a change in your life, it's, it's definitely worth it. The return on investment is significant, so I really encourage you to uh, check them out. Also, please support the Outback Mind Foundation. We pro- primarily um, uh, rely on, on donations. So, yeah, if you can chip in in some way, if you like the podcast, if you can share with others, I'd really appreciate that. We also want to try and get some good businesses on board that are really focused on helping uh, men throughout regional Australia. So please reach out to me, uh, support at outbackmind.com.au. Check out the website, outbackmind.org.au. Fully fledged charity, so any donations fully tax deductible. Alrighty, appreciate your feedback on this chat with Cram and I. I'm sure it's going to be a ripper. G'day, Cram. 
G'day, mate. How are you? Very well, very well. Um, blessed to have a chat to you, mate. I've loved your music uh, for a long time. And, um, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to work out the words of Sam Gribbles. I, uh, I still can't work <laughs> it out. But <laughs> It's one of those things, there's no lyric sheets on those early records, so I just leave it up to you, bro. Could, All could, good. could you tell me, like, the first bit, please? Um, <laughs> I know there's Burn Your House Down in there. I think it's Touch Me Up, Touch Me Up, or I'll Burn Your House Down. Touch Me Up and I'll Burn Your House Down. That's what it says. Right, okay, cool. Well, that, 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 that <laughs> Touch clarifies. Me Up and I'll Burn Your House Down. Yep. <laughs> okay, well... It's, it's different than what I thought it was, so yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll take that on board, mate. So there's a there's a lot of that happens over the years with different songs where people, you, if you don't know what it is, you sort of make up your own versions yeah. of it. So that's kind of cool. And when you find out what the real words are, you get disappointed, but sometimes. But I, I yeah, think, exactly. <laughs> I much liked it my way better. You know, <laughs> that's exactly. it. <laughs> I, I like yours. Oh, that's cool. Mate, um, I know I know you're a country boy from Finlay, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of I spent a lot of my life in uh, the Golden Valley. So it'd be good to hear a bit about your upbringing there. What what it was like for you? Well, um, I know that you said you were from Marupna, which is very close to us. So you would have played in the Golden Valley Football League. I played in the Murray Football League. Very much for me and Wit anyway. Um, yeah. Growing up in the country was all about footy, footy, and more footy. Yeah. And I think um, I was a really, you know, a, a good player and I played state footy and I um, used to take my football very seriously. It's AFL we're talking about for listeners in Queensland and around the country. But um, it was very much the lifeblood of the small town, uh, the football field. Uh, and years later, as I became a musician and performer, I realised in a sense that the football field is very much a, um, a stage, like mm-hmm. a giant stage where kids uh, or adults get to perform and almost be like different versions of themselves. Some, some become like superheroes. Uh, and there was, it was a very um, big part of my, I guess, growing in confidence as a man mm-hmm. uh, coming out of boyhood. Because I think for a lot of us as, as blokes, uh, confidence can be something that some of us don't doesn't come naturally to us. Yeah. Um, and physical um, well-being is a great way to contribute to mental well-being. And I found sport, as I still do today, I still play a lot of basketball and soccer, golf, tennis, like as much footy as I can, mm. um, is a great way to conjure up a, a, a positive sense of yourself mentally is through a positive sense of yourself physically. And also the team aspects of sport which is a great part of my early years um was a big part of that but it's, it's weird it was like no one really wanted to be a, couldn't imagine you could have been a rock star then but everyone <laughs> could very much believe that they could have been a footy star and there's no whether it's rugby league or whether it's um afl there's so many country kids who have become great international and national players and legends of the game i was just reading about eddie betts's book today and mm. Um, you know, so many incredible Indigenous players. Uh, and I remember uh, when we... And I found them so inspirational right back to the Cracker Brothers in the early 80s playing for North Melbourne. And um, I guess I was a pretty... Being from a mostly white Australian town, it wasn't until years later some Aboriginal guys came 
to play for a local team called uh, Geraldry and won yep. a premiership for them. Yep. One of them was Mark Motlop, who is uh, part of the legendary Motlop um, mob from up in far northern Northern Territory in Two Islands. And, and um, I was just blown away by how the racism that they had to cop just yeah. from people that I knew and people that I was grown up with. And the endemic nature of that, um, was really disturbing, and I think we've come a long way. But you know, if you're reading Eddie Betts's book, uh, um, it's, we've still got a long way to go. So it's, it's an interesting thing growing up in the country. It's like you're learning so much about a world that you maybe didn't know exist, existed. But in some ways, it protects you from it. In other ways, it's um, it can be a rude shock when you when you realise things. And so once we actually formed a band between the three of us, all from the same town we were very much in the same mindset as to what sort of band we wanted to be and that was very inclusive and very um, open to all peoples and um, no matter what your background is or, or who you are. And that's kind of been the spider of ethos uh, ever since. Amazing, mate. Um, just one, I had flashbacks to the size of the ground in Finley. Like that, was, uh, that was probably one of the biggest footy grounds I've ever experienced. But um, Yeah, I mean... It, I totally agree. Like, I, I was home recently because my folks are just about to move. I think they've just, by the time this goes to air, probably, uh, they would have just moved from Finlay over to Corowa near Albury, and it's where my sister lives and where my cousins live. And um, Corowa is a great town, another one of those towns that, you know, you snake along the Murray River, and we, you know, I know so many of those towns around in my district. And um, I went home with my kids, and their mum recently and um, to spend time with my mum and my dad and went to see my grandparents at the old people's home in Finlay at up in the Lodge and mm-hmm. it was very sentimental and me and my my son and my daughter went and played basketball at the local basketball hall that I grew up playing basketball in and it still sounds exactly the same. It was like being in a time capsule. <laughs> and then we went and had a kick of the footy at the local Finlay ground and I was like, first thing I was like, this is a huge ground. Like, I didn't realise when I was a kid how big it was. Like, it's a very large ground. And the footy club has maintained its, you know, I guess its standing as such an important part of the, the the culture there. And I just always loved, I can, whenever I go back, um, like, I, I ran into an old coach of mine um, once, and he was having his own football reunion and one of the guys from, I think, the 1971 Finley Premiership, it was like 50 years, this is, in, this is last year in 2021, I just happened to be home, and, and um, his name um, was Dave Henderson, and I was, just wanted to tell him how much his coaching as a football coach and as a basketball coach was so influential mm. on me, and also not just, not just as the making of me as a footballer, but also the making of me as a person, and I think that coaches and teachers in particular apart from parents and family and friends, can be such an influence and such a positive thing. And uh, anyway, he said, thanks very much. And he said, oh, you were such a great centre-half forward. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks, mate. You know, and then I imagined myself taking a few speckers um, at centre-half forward, which I did in the thirds. And, of course, sitting next to him was um, Jack Hawkins, who's Tom Hawkins' dad. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jack played in that team with Dave and so did his his brother Michael and I mean it's just so many legendary footballers from my town mm. so to get that accolade was, was, wasn't was what I was expecting I was expecting him to say oh love your band and well done you know for your career and that he's like oh mate you're an awesome centre half forward and in some ways I was even more stoked that he said that than anything else so <laughs> maybe something about our 
as country kids, and I've discussed this a lot with, with, with city friends, um, our town stays with us. Now, that can be a positive thing. That can be a negative thing. It, often it's a combination of those two things combined together. And as we go forth in our lives, it, it's very much about trying to make sense of that and see how it all washes out. And in, in the end, if you can be at peace with that, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. There's so much, because honestly, like, you know, there's so many people who are not here with us. I mean, I woke up this morning to Olivia Newton-John passing away, um, who I met, like, last year on a plane, who was one of my all-time favourite singers. And, you know, so we're not here forever, are we? So we just got to sort of try to make sense of why we're, why we're here and try to have as good a time as we can. Agree, while mate. We, it's, it's easy to beat ourselves up about stuff, but yeah, like just really embracing the gift is uh, is tricky. And um, uh, yeah, look, you know, I, I really admire you for you know being brave enough at that age to be able to to, to say, no, I'm going to be a muso, and um, yeah. you know, and, and actually having two really talented people in the community with you because. You know, some country towns can be very judgmental and they expect you to be a footy or a player or a cricketer, but sort of turn on left field is a little bit bit different, yeah. It's totally like I can remember Glenn Jackson, who was the coach, captain coach at the time, and Jacko was a lovely bloke. And he came round to my house. Mum said, oh, Jacko's here to see you. And um, I was playing drums in the backyard at the time and I was in year 12 um, or just, ending year 11 I think I can't remember so I was maybe 16 and he's like we want you to play seniors this year mm. and so this is my big moment and I, I can remember this feeling of like this is the t- this is a turning point and I had to really think about it because I you know that's all I ever wanted to do is play senior footy for mm. Finley and then maybe hopefully be good enough to play in the AFL mm. and um I looked at it and I just I just loved playing music so much and I just had to make a decision and it's weird at the time I didn't feel like I was that young but you know now that I'm much older looking back at a 16 year old kid if that was my son or or just some kid you go wow that's a big decision to make and I basically said I said no I can't play this year I want to concentrate on my drums and I'm, I'm worried if I get injured it'll it'll stuff up my playing and I won't be able to do HSC and etc and um it's amazing it's like such a, it was such a big thing. In some ways, I would have loved to have gone back in time and seen, seen how I'd gone, and maybe I could have played drums as well. Mm. But in other ways, I'm really glad that I made that commitment to it. And, you know, I'm sort of still playing, and I guess I was lucky enough to become a really successful musician. Mm. But like you said, it's not something that... Uh, if you're not surrounded by something... Like, it's not like I grew up in New York City... Um, you know, or, or Berkeley in California where there's musicians and it's such a big part of the culture. I was in this town and, and Wit, Wit and Janet really, Wit was a very much a self-taught guitar player. He would come home from school, from you into boarding school in Melbourne and he would come home and we'd jam. And then Janet didn't start playing music until basically we were just about to form the band because... We couldn't find anyone to play, so she sort of taught herself to play. So she's very much an accidental musician. So I guess I was the only one who was actually studying it seriously. Mm. And it's kind of weird. Like maybe that's what makes the band specialist. All the differences between everyone, I guess. 
But mate, uh, you have an amazing voice, and so does she. And, and you know, it's it's just so coincidental. Oh, yeah, but but being in the same town, and and what what what's great about what you guys do is you complement each other really well. You know. Thanks so much. I mean, I we've just released this double album of her, which is essentially the the entire collection of all of Janet's songs in spite of it, called Sounds in the Key of J. And um, we were doing a. Um, an interview with Dan Rowe on Double J yesterday and it was very sentimental talking about she's an old fan as well and um, it's, it's funny, it's always nice to hear accolades like that from, from people like you guys about your, your work because we, we're actually quite, we're quite casual about our legacy but we're also very serious about our music I guess. It's, it's weird, we, we very don't want anything to be pretentious but we're very proud of what we've achieved and you know, things like being the first band to win the Hottest 100 and, uh, you know, having number one hits and all that stuff. is it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we were so proud of. But the essence of the band, I guess, like you say, is not just the complementary nature of me and Janet. It's, it's a sort of how wit fits into that as well. And mm. All of the great bands of history we were talking about Talking Heads yesterday and, and Nirvana and there's so many bizarre bands that have the most bizarre mixture of personalities and yet, you know... <coughs> If you try to put that cast together in a movie, it, you know, it'd be very difficult to do. Somehow the way bands just fall together through friendship and co-association at that point in their lives can sometimes make for wonderful ensembles. And I think we're sort of another example of that. And also to be able to be like still together 20 or 30 years later and, uh, and, yeah. and, and get on so well, mate, like that's, you know, that's incredible. Like you do see some bands that come together by default and they argue and carry on and uh, there's always clashes, but it seems to me that yeah. you guys seem to be able to get on really well. Well, it's almost like we, we don't, act, we don't um, just get on really well. We just love each other so much and just crack each other up. It's so funny when we're all in the band band together and playing on stage. It's, it's very casual. It's, and I mean, we, we're doing this tour at the moment. We did Brisbane last week and it's all about Janet's songs, these intimate theatre shows we're doing. And she got really emotional at the end of the show and it was very touching, very moving. And then um, we did uh, Groove in the Mood this year as well. And those shows were insane you, you know it's like twenty thousand people going crazy lots of young kids who i don't think had ever seen us before and it's always spun me out uh, i guess how young our crowd have made have stayed even though we have lots of older fans which is wonderful who've been with us for years we seem to keep getting younger fans who discover the band as, as a new generation and um i don't know it's it, it's it's always lovely to have that energy of, of the whole uh, population behind you and um, mm -hmm. and those shows were like I said just electrifying it was amazing it was like it was like they were debut shows for us in 30 years after the fact so it's it's weird man it's a strange thing but you I believe I haven't seen you guys live but I reckon you would still maintain a pretty high energy I I saw Jebediah um, a while back just by default and, uh, you know, Kev's been on this podcast too and Eddie Yak and they love it, mate. They yeah. actually really love what they do and, um, uh, yeah, that, that's a big part of being successful in life, isn't it? I think Jeb, the Jebs are a really big parallel band for us. Like, they're one of our favourite bands to play with 
and we love them. Janet um, and Vanessa have been friends for many years, and me and Kev the same. And Kev was actually a gun footy player as a kid too, and he he played with Ben Cousins when he was young, and not many people know that, but he was a super gun. Mm. And um, it's funny you don't think of Bob Evans as this kicker footy player playing <laughs> alongside Ben Cousins from West Coast, but that's that's perfect for you. And it's, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of guys I know who are rock stars who are great either footy players or some other sport because it's like the first it's like your first performance in a way especially if you come from a small town or from a sporting culture and um, yeah Jed's a great example of friends first and that creates the beautiful energy that makes the band work apart from their musicianship and the songwriting and everything. And that feeds into the audience and you just get a really great warmth and fervour and excitement in the audience. And I think we're exactly the same. So, yeah, it's not Amazing, mate. And, you know, what, what's come to me there, and I really picked it up with Kev and, and other musos and that, is, is your whole brain thinkers. You know, like, like you're using the, the, your brain to your full capacity, which is, you know, pretty pretty rare because you know with your drums you're left and right consistently and you know kev kev was very very well spoken and analytical and so forth too and, and quick and witty and I, I just think if we can do more things to actually engage both hemispheres of our brain it can really be beneficial uh, to our mental health i would agree and the other thing as well is that i mean you know with men's mental health in australia in particular and i know like i remember we lived next door to a wonderful bloke called Frank Boyd who was our next-door neighbour as a kid. And I knew his sons and, and his wife really well and he was actually Witt's cousin. And, um, mm. yeah, he, he was, was a lovely bloke but he, and he was sadly another victim of, um, of male suicide, which is just so common. Mm. And amongst, not just amongst men, uh, amongst the women, about everyone in the community. I know I was talking to a friend of mine just last weekend who's much, much younger than me, and she's a, a wonderful human being, one of the most exciting, sparky human beings I've ever met. Like I said to her, I said that you're probably one of the most favourite people in the world I would want to hang out with just because she has this energy. And then she told me about how she'd had suicidal tendencies a lot mm. over the course of her teenage years. And I think it's, it's really important that we acknowledge that this is happening, that, these, um, that mental health is such a, such a difficult thing for some people to talk about, whether they're experiencing it themselves or whether they're trying to acknowledge and help others. But the more we talk about it, this is why this website, uh, this um, podcast you're doing is so good, man, and I just want to pay tribute to you um, because talking is the best way human beings work shit out. Mm -hmm. Talking is the best way we can hear each other's souls and really try to understand one another and tell our stories. And I just know from, uh, from being a bloke in a country town, that's not something that we're renowned for doing. You know, blokes are supposed to be um, people that, mm -hmm. you know are very stoic and can provide for their family and all this sort of stuff and really the most important thing we should be able to do is just try to find our own inner happiness mm. and then then the world's our oyster if we can find that space uh that's that's the place and the more we sort of try to move in our thoughts through discussion and through i guess opening up 
I just think it's the way to go, you know, because the alternative is a dark place. Yeah, absolutely, and really, really well said. And do you know what, Cram, like the, the whole mindset of this podcast is, you know, I, I come from the bush like you and so forth, and it's really to help empower guys back there um, or, or out here to, uh, yep. to, to really, you know, take a proactive approach. And I always say to guys, and this is what really flips their thinking, is you've got an opportunity yep. now to, to, to change you know, that lineage because, you know, your dad or grandfather or someone in your, your family has had like, a lot of trauma. They've probably gone to war, uh, you know, exactly. and that gets passed down, those behaviours. But if we can do um, things to disrupt that, you know, by having conversations like this and actually like flicking a switch in someone to actually like let them know that they are okay to be able to make the changes that they need to make and, and, and also make decisions like you did as a 16-year-old to say, no, I'm going to do what I love now. I think that's so important. Yeah. I think it's a it's also a, a thing where there are techniques um, that there's there's two things there's things you can't control like I know a dear mate of mine um, his dad was very hard on him mm. and he could never communicate with him and it and his his dad is long gone now but it's still yeah. effective yep and it still hurts him and he's a very sensitive person and he didn't come he didn't end up like his dad, he ended up being much more empathetic and compassionate person. Mm. But it still hurts him that he couldn't fix that relationship. I know another mate of mine, his dad, um, is, you know, just recently had a stroke and, um, you know, they didn't have a great relationship as when he was young and he's the one out there sort of caring for him and trying to help. And it's like this thing about uh, the lineage that comes through if there's parents that have had mental health problems that can really affect the children in a major way whether they are diagnosed with the same condition or not yes. but the thing is is it's very difficult for you to you can't change the path and you can't change what the way a person was if they're not alive anymore but what you can do is 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 help yourself so i i always say to guys um one of the things I think we men are obsessed with is 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 work mm. and and just being uh, successful and being um, there's a competitive nature that in in our in our DNA I think a lot of at least the white fellas is that um, I've got to be the best I can be um, I've got to be this I've got to be that whether it's successful or wealthy or rich and you know. I just think that's all bullshit. Yes. I think that there's so many things in life that make us happy <clears throat> that we that we forget about the things we might have just sitting in the sun doing absolutely nothing, and it's like being able to completely relax yourself and not base your entire existence about uh, um, around the things you're trying to achieve. You've got to be uh, try to be a little bit more easy on yourself and just be. So doing nothing on a Sunday watching the footy is a beautiful thing. You know, that actually is one of the most productive things you could do to your mental health and as a result might make you happier than if you're obsessed with working so much to try and achieve these great goals, which is an admirable thing to do. But if you don't give yourself a break, you can burn out completely. And I just feel like there's so much of this that men don't say to each other um, or say to someone like you that they that they should, and you know, I've sort of found the way that, like, say for rock stars like me, one of the hardest things to do is 
what the hell do I do with myself when I'm not on stage with thousands of people? And that, and it, and so I worked it out. It's like you can actually do nothing and be happy as long as you're in that space of relaxation. That it's okay because you'll never be able to replicate that that energy that you feel. I know a lot of ex footy players have this. Ex athletes, um, anyone who's been a performer. You can't perform 24 hours a day. It's like you can't party 24 hours a day. Mm. Otherwise, you just go under. Yes. You've got to party, have a good time, and then relax and wait for the next party. Otherwise, you, you, your party days are done. You know what I mean? Absolutely, mate. And, and that's really beautiful to hear you say that because, you know, you're, you're balancing the highs with the lows and um, being able to sort of sit with the high and say thank you for that, but yep. then be able to switch back to... You know, your parasympathetic nervous system again, which I don't think a lot of a lot of people understand or, or get, you know, where yeah. you're sort of geared to be on all the time. Yeah. And this is also why I think like a lot of people who've never contemplated it don't understand something like suicide or something as dark as that, which is a massive killer of young men mm. um, and older men all through this country, like it has been for a long time. And that is, I, I sort of look at it like, it's like when a person feels trapped in their own life, like they can't see a way out, they can't see, and they feel so disempowered uh, in a sense <clears throat> and uh, can't talk to someone about it or it can't necessarily fix it. Mm. And I just think it's just so important that the, the best thing we can do is, um, is, to, is talk about how it exists and then get other people to... Open, try to open up and talk about their experiences like you know I guess people have been doing in cultures for thousands of years you know yes. trying to talk talking to each other and being open and honest you know the classic line is get it off your chest it certainly is better than not and then you know for everyone concerned yes oh, absolutely and, and yeah that that's that's exactly right Cram because we, we get too stuck between the ears, you know, and um, what, yeah. uh, what, what this whole foundation is about that I've sort of set up is um, really to try and get out there and, and have discussions in communities and actually, like, teach people tools so they can, you know, be more aware, like you you mentioned, you know, be able to understand your ups and downs and highs and lows and be more neutral and yeah. balanced, you know. Because exactly. th- th- there's, no, there's no future in, um, you know, going to a doctor and getting stuck on bloody tablets and... Um, you know, I know that's, uh, that's necessary sometimes, but I just think if we can actually, um, you know, give people education and advice and, and, you know, help them feel safe and understand that they're okay as they are, then we can actually flip this mental health thing right around because it's just got out of control, I reckon, anyway. And also, just how no two cases are exactly the same. Yes. Like, depression, depression is such a huge, uh, huge thing. And it, I think it's always existed. It's just now that people are talking about it a lot more. And um, the, it's such a, a really powerful, um, life-changing thing in the negative sense because yeah. it just can, it can drive someone into themselves so dark, so deeply, that then some never come out. And it's just like... If, you, if it's something you've never experienced, then, it, then the only way you could read about it or you could listen to people talking about it. And then make, the more that the community understands these things, um, the, the better. I just think if people have a, an awareness about these, these issues, um, they, they're really empathetic and want to try and help. And that means that the people who are, who are suffering 
aren't as alone as maybe they maybe as maybe they feel. Absolutely, and see, Cram, like when someone's stable and they sort of feel themselves slipping, if you can do things to help you uh, disrupt that and get back to balance again, I think that's important. Rather yeah. than looking for a can of beer or a bong or whatever, you know, I think there's there's other ways yep. of doing it, and, and that's all within a, within each of us. You know, we've got this beautiful. Um, you know, gift uh, as, as being a human and we can actually self-regulate if we actually learn how to do it. And, you know, I just think we've got a really reactive, yeah. really reactive culture and we need to be more proactive. And that's, you know, what I want to try and do more of in the future, I guess. Like I, I never realised that I had, had these sort of feelings um, until I sort of, you, you almost have to sit back and think about it. But it's very natural for performers to to have down downtime um, than down emotional time where they just like they feel really empty and lost and it's almost like because you your existence is based on these super highs yeah. um, that you have to sort of find a balance and I've always believed that you know my philosophy is move body move mind so if if you if you're a sporty person and I'm a, I don't even necessarily uh, play. I'll go and play sport by myself. I'll do things physically that move stuff. I mean, I've been chopping wood today. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Love is, doing man. that. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like just things that that move your body, that get you moving, and give you a bit a, a bit of physical fatigue, and that way you will sleep better. Um, I can't, you know, I can't comment on really extreme examples that do need medication. That's a whole nother another ball game but yeah. I know mates of mine I know one really famous Australian singer who struggled with depression for a long long time and he he's been taking medication for years but he said every now and again he just wants to get off it mm. <clears throat> so he can feel things again mm. but then at the same time he will always go back because he knows that's how he can function mm. so it just depends on the individual person and how difficult um, their situation is but um I just, yeah, I feel like there's lots of stuff you can do to keep moving if that's what you need. Yes. Other times, maybe you just want to sit still and, and try to, you know, I'm not a meditator, but I know lots of friends of mine that do, and I think meditation is a very good way to, to settle the mind. Um, mm. Just any sort of techniques that you can use and to try and make yourself feel better, you know. To, to yeah, self-regulate because you're, you're using your body to do the same thing. You know, people that can sit and slow their breath down and slow their mind down, mm-hmm. the body relaxes, you know, and uh, if, yeah, you know, because you're a, you're a goer and I'm a goer too, like, you know, drums, yeah. footy, buddy, you know, moving, going all yeah. the time. Um, it was really hard for me to sit still, but I actually, like, I, I practice meditation every day now, but that didn't come easy, you know. I had to learn it and, and um, trust myself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's inspiring because that's what you've just said is a really good example. It's like, I try, there's a mate of mine, he gets, he gets a bit stressed and it affects his personality and I keep saying, man, you should meditate. He's like, yeah, I, I know, but I never will. I can't. And it's like, and it's almost like, no, you have to actually learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to stop. If you're, and as you say, if you're a goer, it's really hard to slow that, slow that down when you're used to being in fourth gear, just, just get back to idle. Like, yes. But that's the place where you find um, a relaxing state. I know I, I sort of when I discovered ASMR um, videos and I was really spun out because I, <clears throat> I realised there were certain teachers I had at high school whose voices were, had, was, had a certain 
quality that made me very, very relaxed. And I'm like, why do I feel so good in this social science class when I'm bored out of my mind, but there's something about the guy's voice. Mm. And so there's, you know, there's ways to sort of trick you, your mind um, into being in this sort of like state where like, I guess, like what's, what if you're lucky enough to sleep well, what sleep does, it, it's such a subconscious action that we all need. And maybe there's other things, ways we can do that in our conscious world as well. And that's essentially what meditation is. My word, mate, you're giving your mind a rest, you know. And uh, uh, the mind, the human mind, we, we don't get it. Like uh, we, we're sort of, you know, <laughs> we're in this like whirlpool consistently. But if you can just learn to slow the whirlpool down, it's amazing what yeah. happens, you know. You just feel back to your heart again. I reckon if we can get more back to our hearts then we can start to discover our truth, you know. And it, it depends, like... Um I moved up to Byron from Melbourne and I really loved living by the ocean and, and living in nature now, which I never would have imagined when I was in my early 20s that I would do because I love the action of the city and I still do. And I love the great cities of the world and I love going to gigs and playing shows and being around thousands of people. It's great. But I also love the the solitude of nature and also the power of the ocean. It's just such a beautiful place. Yes. But um, I also know that, you know, for a different personality, that, you know, that person might feel lonesome, might feel they need the, the human connection. So it's just that, you know, the city can be so much more um, going on if you love that. But for then for someone else, they might feel more lonely in the city. You know, that, that, that thing that's that saying that, you know, the loneliest place is being in the city with thousands of people, you know, it's just like it's a strange energy that it can have to certain mm. people so Great. it's just about i guess finding what you need to find your own happiness sounds like you've got a good balance and when you're in nature mate you you, you can't possibly be alone can you there's all this activity going on with wildlife and and things around yeah. us that we actually miss when we're, we're busy in the mind but i reckon that's one of the best ways for a human to to get back to uh feeling good again is to to get in nature and start to you know experience what um what life's all about we we sort of become you know driven as as young people and particularly young men to succeed and perform and all that as you said but just getting back to the simple stuff sometimes is uh is really really important i think also that i totally agree with you one of the things about it is it simplifies everything down to the the elements of the earth and that we are just another living organism yeah in on this oasis in the center of a giant vast infinite desert which is what the earth essentially is like i'm i'm sitting here and i'm surrounded by beautiful palm trees and it's a glorious day and my my daughter's cello is sitting next to me and my guitar and you know it's just there's heaps of wood oh this is glorious this is amazing but the reality is is that this is just a tiny speck of detail in a vast universe Mm. and um it's it's great to sort of take ourselves out of ourselves go into the forest or walk the beach or, or dive into the ocean. And it sort of puts things into perspective for us, how small and, in a sense, in a sense insignificant we are as beings. Yes. And I think that can be a really great empowering thing to stop this worry, thinking about so much about where we're standing in the sense of society, in the sense of, of community and in the sense of our own achievements and goals we have as individuals. And just be a living, breathing human being mm. in, a, in, a, in a vast oasis of life. 
because we know all deep we all know deep down that we're only here for a very short time and so we I went to ourselves to just try our best to to be in that space while we're lucky enough to be here sure. but this is this is also why I feel really I always feel so sorry for because it, it's easy for me to say this stuff when I'm, you know, I have nothing in the way of uh, issues in terms of mental health that other people that that I know and don't know do. And so it's, you know, it's easy to sort of say, you know, I like doing this, I like doing that. But surely it's, yeah, it's beneficial to anyone to get the opportunity to be um, it, just having that beautiful natural um, existence and just try and be out there in, in, in the natural world. Mm, let go and surrender all the ancient traditions are trying to take yeah. us, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I love that. There's that great um, Reese Witherspoon movie called Wild, I think it's called, and she... Oh, was it that? No, I can't remember if it's called Wild, but anyway, it's, a, it's basically the story of the woman who was just really lost in her life and lost her mum and you know she was really fucked up mm. and she just decided to get into um into hiking and then ended up doing the entire pch which is the longest hiking trail in the world all the way up the the um, pacific coast um trail in america and just that thing of how much that it transformed her life doing something so big and physically difficult and pushing herself out of a comfort zone. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I guess that, that you have to have the opportunity to do that, but sometimes you've got to shake it out, I guess, and great things can happen. For sure, yeah, just little bits. Uh, you don't have to go and uh, run a marathon before you've taken the first step, hey, and just, just little... Exactly, little, wasn't it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And also, um, there's also a thing where I feel... <clears throat> um, sometimes the the community that we have, um, people find it difficult maybe to open up. Or they don't feel comfortable talking about, you know, what their feelings are. And um, yeah, I'd like to see that that change where people feel like they can really be honest about their thing and not not worry about what the reaction's going to be. Yes. Um, whether it be on social media or whether it be within their own community. I think that does stop a lot of blokes from being able to open up sometimes. They're worried about how they're going to be viewed and what they're going to they're going to be talked about. Mm. Um, because I think, it's, especially in Australia, I think we're pretty private, sort of, we're, we're a compassionate culture, but we're very private. And um, I don't know, it's like you could have a neighbour that would be might be really struggling and you could live next to them for 20 years and not know that you yes. know it's so it's always worth being the person who says hey how you doing and try to try to give yourself um over to them and say if you ever need anyone to talk to about anything just let me know i think i think that's a nice thing to do that maybe not a lot of people actually do to each other for sure mate and, and we're meant to be um collaborative as humans aren't we we're not meant to be separated you know and uh um the nature reminds us of that all the time like everything else is uh, you know doing things together and eating what they're meant to eat and all those sorts of things but we've got choice and we've got um you know that 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 in itself could be a real detriment to ourselves but when you get out of your head and back to your heart again you actually start to become 
naturally aware of, um, of, of who you really are and, uh, you know, the collaboration with others becomes much easier because you've got compassion rather than judgment, I guess, which is a real key part of being a human, I reckon. I would totally agree. And um, I'd, I'd like to think that the powers that be can <clears throat> feel supported in that too in the sense that as a society and as, um, as a culture, we want to be able to try to help everyone um and it just yeah i think the, the way the world is going there's so much more emphasis on on wealth and um on success and you know i think if you know if you go back to you know our parents um life was a lot cheaper life was a lot mm. easier simpler there seems to be a lot more reasons for people to get stressed and and whether it's you know look at look at the the homeless and um, issue that we have in Australia, and not just people living without a home um, at all, at all, but also people who are struggling to find a place to rent. Like there's so many families that are um, really up against it mm. and don't really have anywhere to turn. And I just yeah, I think it's it's important that we acknowledge that. Um, yeah. In some ways, these issues are actually on the rise, and I'd like to see the whole culture sort of try to to help. Yeah, agree, mate. I think you and I have got the ability to be able to help with that, you know. And um, uh, there's there's no there's no rewards in judging or putting someone down or um, you know separating yourself because of your identity compared to someone else. Like some of the most amazing things I've done, mate, is actually like. Give give money to people on the street that are begging, you know, and and just to see the, yeah. just 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 to see the 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 lift in them and their smile on their face and their heart open up, that that is a pure act of joy and, and love, I reckon, and that's what we can actually experience as humans, you know, when we when we go into the comparisons and the judgments and the criticisms and the greed and. You know, the guilt, which I think the colonial model, you know, let's be honest, is, is pretty much all about, you know, if you can get back to the essence of being a human again, I, I think, you know, life can be ma- magnificent and helping someone else is is really, um, you know, uh, a pure gift that we don't sort of, um, you know, explore often enough, I, I believe. Well, if, if you could multiply that, if every person did that, for instance, and and I, I, I think the thing that really common thing with people that are homeless is that they um, they're just so used to most people ignoring that they even exist mm. like this there's this blank um, they don't even get they don't even get to be acknowledged that they actually exist and I've, I've, I've written a song recently about this idea that we're sort of doing this new record at the moment and it's really something that I that the context of existence is um, is the hum- one of the human rights, um, mm. it, you know, that you are part of of humanity. But if you if you're someone that you know maybe other people don't recognise, you can what, become what essentially I guess homeless some homeless people refer to as becoming invisible mm. to the main population. So a very simple thing like acknowledging the person, you know, um, is huge because that could be any of us. This is the, the important thing. I'm I'm very much about a true utopian society is where 
we take care of the people most in need first rather than the people who've got the most first. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just important. A society's worth should be measured on who, how the people with the least amount of money are faring as opposed to the people who've got the most. And, yeah, I just feel like it's just a fundamental human reality that, that you know, we should acknowledge everyone. Agree, mate. And uh, look, I, I, I love to listen to that song and I'd, um, I, I congratulate you for writing it, you know, because it's come from your heart and, and that's powerful music in its essence, you know. Um, well, it's, yeah. the, the, song, the song's called Alive and it, it's, it's super simple and it's basically, it's basically like saying that if you, you have nothing, you're still alive, you still exist, you yeah. know, and what's what does that mean in terms of the function of humanity? And I mean, you know, we've seen horrendous um, examples in history of human beings doing horrible things to other human beings. But um, any human being that is born is, is, exists. And I just, yeah, I'm just, because I, I, like a lot of people, are worried about the future of the planet and the future of our species and every other species on the planet. And um, it just seems to be so many things that people are obsessed with that I just find are completely meaningless compared to that. Agree, mate. Absolutely. It's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I reckon this this has been with you your whole life. You know, that decision that you actually had to say no to the footy career as, as opposed to something that you loved... Because that love has just expanded you as a human, you know. Um, you know. Uh, well, I, yeah, go ahead. I really, yeah, I, I loved, but I, the weird thing was I actually absolutely loved footy as well. So I, I kind of <laughs> wished I could have done both. But, I mean, I guess it was, it was more about feeling like what I could be more successful at and what I really felt at the time. Mm. Um, you know, I'd love to have done both things. I, you know, in another way, in another existence you could be a young musician who was good at footy and decided to play football instead and then i could be a footy player talking to you about the same thing just in reverse so it's it's really about just taking the plunge and backing yourself and hoping for the best that you can just be what you dream of this is this is the weird thing like a lot of um there's a lot of um talk about you know when you're dreaming of being something especially something that like I do, which not a lot of people get to be. Um, and then once you, once you actually, you know, are that, like you, you sign your first record deal or you, like for me it was getting into university and studying music, which was really hard to do for a kid mm. from a small town like me. And I ended up, you know, becoming, getting first in the state in music in, in HSC, which was a really big, big trip and it was largely due to you know I, I put a lot of work in but it was also my teacher Julie Croft who was a, a city jazz musician who came to teach in at Finley High School mm-hmm. um, who was so influential and so it just changed my life completely and um, so then when I got into uni and then it was like right well then I want to be a professional and so that you know, eventually you know we start this band and we get signed and then that's like, wow, we're an actual band with a record and then you want to have a successful record and then you end up having a successful record and you become a rock star, you make all this money and then you want to, then the next thing is you sustain it. That, and then 
that's what you want to do. And that, that sort of goes on forever. And, you know, there's been a lot of bands that had all those things happen and then had one record and then disappeared. Yes. And, you know, that's kind of weird. So we, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is all of those um, things that you aspire to be and if you manage to, to, to do all those things, you know, you, if you're a footballer, you play for your local club and then you might play for this and then you might, who knows, you might end up becoming one of the great players. Um, they're just little stepping stones on the way to, you know, living. Yes. But the essence of all of those things has to be a kind of love of what you're doing and and you are going to have failures and you are going to have successes and you've got to sort of try to not, I guess, not get too bogged down in either of those things and just try to keep moving forward, you know. Oh, for sure, mate. Absolutely. Beautifully said too. And, uh, yeah, we can get attached to our identity, uh, can't we? But, you know, in the essence of the song, you write a lie. It's, it's, that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's the essence of, of that. And uh, being that, that pure human behind your identity, um, you know, we can get attached to our identity and that can be detrimental to our mental health, you know, when that gets taken away. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the pure pure sense of being a human, I think we've got to do more of and, you know, I think it's really time that we've had this conversation uh, because, you know, it's going to be a, a, a gentle reminder for people to get back to back to just that. And, uh, you know, the more of that we can do, I suppose, the more empowered, you know, communities, particularly rural communities, can, can be made. And uh, it's interesting, you, you've got a new album coming out or you've got a, you've got a tour starting up, is that right, with Janet? Um, so we've, we've released the record. It's called um, Sounds in the Key of J. So it's essentially a double album of all of Janet's songs in Spider-Mate. So it's, it's, mm. it's just like the Janet collection. <laughs> yeah. And so this tour we're doing, we've got a few shows to go. We're already halfway through. Um, it's just to, to basically play all these songs. And some of them we haven't, we haven't played before. And, yeah, the, the reaction to the tour has been wonderful so far. Mm. And it's just been great to go back, I guess, and... And revisit a lot of these older songs, and and um, just pay tribute to her as a as a musician and as a friend. Do you know what comes after J is K? So there's going to be a, a tour of K, I reckon, <laughs> down, <laughs> down the track. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for today. Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, just tell me, with regards to the tour, where are you heading? So um, I think our next show is in Perth, and then we're off to. Um, um, Adelaide, and the last show will be in Hobart. So oh. it's over the course of the next few months. Mate, I lived down there for a long time. I reckon you're going to the uni bar, and I'd love to be down there to experience that. Yeah, I'm not sure we're playing in Hobart, but I love it down there. It's one of my favourite cities in the country, and, yeah, that'll be... I think we're finishing the tour there, so it's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be a perfect place to finish. Just take a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good stuff, mate. Really grateful for the chat. Um, I'm hoping that Thanks we can... so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we can catch up in the future because I think, um, yeah, we've got a lot in common and, uh, you know, you're doing such, such great work. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it.